0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The boys are back in town. John Carpenter is back. We're back to talk about John Carpenter. Yes. Yeah, kind of an impromptu podcast, which is now becoming a two-part podcast. <laughs> Because I haven't
0: seen all the films.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, th- this is basically all the fault of the Evil Dead film that's coming out. Because we decided to do some horror retrospectives. Well, that and I guess we've we've done retrospectives on the website as well already on John Carpenter. Yeah. Which you're, you you uh, Ben yourself? Sorry. Hello, my co-host is Ben this evening. Oh, yes. hello,
0: well,
1: yeah, <laughs> and I'm Stephen Hurst, the <laughs> chief editor at Filmwork. Material that we've done on the website already, but also we've been doing a lot of horror podcasts anyway with the Evil Dead. Release and we did Where's Craven, so it's time to do a bit of John Carpenter. Sadly, there is no film in our midst coming up anytime soon, mm. but one can only hope for the near future.
0: Halloween 3 apparently in the works, not sure. What yes, involved in. yes,
1: yes. So, this first part will probably get the first dozen of films out of the way. We're going to certainly talk about everything in the 70s, and I imagine pretty much every film that he did in the 80s as well. And we're we'll wise. Uh we'll, we'll talk every, uh, over some of the work that he did outside of directing. You know, I mean, some projects he did, he was just worked on as a writer, some he was just a composer. And we'll mention those as we go along. But first of all, Ben, I want to ask you, what retrospectives on John Carpenter did you do on our website?
0: Uh, I did Dark Star. Um, I did... Uh, 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 uh. I did Starman, I think, and Big Trouble in Little China... And wow! I one. Did I do three or four? I can't remember now. Oh, crikey! Um, mm, I definitely did those three. I can't remember whether I wrote any of the others.
1: Ah, so certainly some of the early stuff then. Mm, it's always the same with me. It's always the early <laughs> stuff. Being old,
0: <laughs> <laughs> older.
1: I don't know how many I did myself. I, I must have at least done a couple. But I, I know for a fact that I probably will have done In the Mouth of Madness because that's one that I hold up in high regard. I think that's the underseen classic of John Carpenter's career. And no doubt I would have got lumbered with a load of others that no one else wanted to do.
0: As is usually your wont.
1: Yeah, no, I did Vampires as well, which I saw at the cinema. That might have been the last one of his I saw at the cinema. I'm not sure if I saw Ghost of Mars or not but vampires I don't think is brilliant we'll get to that one in the second podcast yep. but I there's sort of a soft spot there for it <laughs> so shall we go as we mean to go on and as usual Let's start at the beginning yep. so dark star dark star I I saw dark star quite a lot as a kid
0: yep. some of
1: these early films dark star and and it may have, it, it was probably this or Assault on Precinct Thirteen that I saw first. I don't. I mean, I was I was so young that I can't remember which one I saw first. But I know that I saw them both quite a lot when mm. I was young. Along with Escape from New York, we had them on a copy, and I watched them quite a bit. But if I'm honest, I have seen Dark Star maybe once as an adult, and I think that was in recent years when they were uh, releasing it on Blu-ray. I think I ended up with the disc momentarily before I passed it on to you. Yeah. And I had a quick peek, and I hadn't seen it since i was a kid now i understand there's two versions out there there's a director's cut as well yeah what can you what can you tell us about this
0: um, well, it was the fact, well, in, in, in Carpenter's own words, it was, it was the, uh, it was the greatest, uh, uh, student film that got turned into the lousiest cinema film. <laughs> <wasn't it? laughs> um, yeah, it was, uh, it was his, uh, his and Dana Bannon's uh, student film, wasn't it? That was, um, yeah. eventually kind of padded out with, with e- extra scenes and, uh, some, some, uh, had some investment put in and, and given a, uh, a commercial release. Uh, so there's two versions of the film. I think, I think originally the the only the um i had never seen the original student version you know the cut the, the, and that is what the director's right. cut is i believe um certainly from looking at the uh the, the disc that i reviewed that seems to be the case in because that. one
1: of them was only about an hour or so long yeah
0: yeah that's right and that and that's the director's cut but but it, it essentially yeah, represents right. i think a cut of the movie that sort of closely resembles the, the sort of original student film i think is the idea with that Although I'm not sure it actually is that, that cut, or whether it's just <laughs> something that kind of approximates it.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I think just because of the, the weird value, it must have kept me entertained as a kid, because you got that big, the, you know, the, the alien that's basically the giant beach ball. The beach
0: ball with claws, yeah.
1: And I remember that the, the scene in the elevator when a guy's trying to catch it, and then he's having trouble because he keeps... He's, hanging from underneath the elevator and having to climb through the floor and then there's all the business with the bomb and then there's the, is it the captain that's dead but they've got them frozen and they can still talk to him it's <laughs> yeah. just, yeah, it, yeah it's quite a wacky little adventure it's but wacky. It's, it's not one because some people do consider this a sort of a cult classic or yeah. it is a cult classic yeah, It is. Yeah. but some people do actually hold it up there as one of their favourite Carpenter films it's it's not for me <laughs> <laughs> It, but I, it, I it just has a special some... place in my past. I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, me too. I mean, you know, for, for me, this was one of those movies that uh, that was um, that was kind of, you know, I, I think if you think if I think back to the to the the sort of late seventies when I was real a real kid and Star Wars was kind of the the big thing, and you know, Star Wars we've talked about yeah. before. It just opened so many doors in so many ways. And obviously, Dark Star predates Star Wars, but it, that's right. It was. You know, in the era, like sort of post Star Wars era, yeah. you had this situation where you know people were kind of digging out what whatever they could find in terms of sci-fi, either to watch uh, in the sort of um, burgeoning home video market, or or and indeed on on television. You know, so you you had a lot of stuff kind of getting getting some quite you know reasonable rotation and being sort of dug out of mothballs. And Dark Star was definitely one of them because it was something that I again saw quite a lot. Along with 2001 and and various other sort of sci-fi classics, um, you know, uh, around the time of Star Wars or just after, you know, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I I think you know it's one of those movies that. What well, I mean, one of the things I love the most about it, watching it now, is obviously the the, the fact that it's um, you know, so much of it was um, you know, taken by uh, Dan O'Bannon and and reworked to, into Alien. You know, the that's right. Ideas and concepts uh, are right there. You know, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a barely laughs movie, you know. I think that, I think one of the things that people sort of tend to say about it when they watch it and they go, well, you know, it's supposed to be a comedy, and you think, well, and they think, well, it's not very funny. You know, I didn't really laugh out loud. And You sort of think, well, it's not really that kind of comedy, but yeah, you know, but there is definitely something to be said for you know someone standing there having a sort of argument with a. Existential argument with a bomb, you know. You 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 Uh don't get that every day, you know. (laughs) But you even have the
1: computer talking to a bomb, telling it to go back in its hole, (laughs) (laughs) and the bomb refusing. Hello.
0: Return to the bomb bay immediately. But I have received the operational signal. It is a malfunction. This is not a bomb room. We are in a crisis situation. Return immediately.
1: Nevertheless, I have received
0: the signal to prepare for a drop. Emergency
1: override. Return to the bay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. Now, did the Blu-ray come with any decent extras? I mean, because Carpenter's quite good at doing commentaries for his films, and every now and again you'll get a documentary, but not always.
0: Yeah, well, uh, the, the, I think the thing with the, the Blu-ray of, of this was is pretty good, but but I think um, it was made... Um, Dan O'Bannon sadly passed away, didn't he? So he wasn't That's able right. To, contribute directly to the to the disc so but there was i think it, it, it does have a sort of recent interview with, with him and he's an incredibly eccentric guy so he's always fun to, to watch you know but yeah um, but the carpenter um uh, contributions were really minimal uh, and and were basically sort of stuff that they were able to just shoehorn in there from from earlier things because I, I i think you know um. we, we, I think I discussed this in the um, in the retro, uh, the written retro. But I think I think there's some kind of legal issues, or there's definitely issues that are keeping Carpenter himself away from Dark Star. So so there's no commentary on it. There's nothing. All uh, right. His contribution on that on the Blu-ray is pretty much nothing.
1: I was just yeah. wondering if there might have been an earlier edition on Blue uh, on DVD. Sorry, that did come with uh, extras. I know when you get to Halloween, mm. there's so many different editions, and some of them have all the extras some of them don't some of them have different extras some of them have i think there's even two different commentaries you can get for halloween so yeah. and this is always something that i a uh, bone of contention for me when it comes to things coming out on disc and i i that only sparks in my mind now because the dark star one i know for a fact came from a certain company that is uh, renowned for not buying over existing material because they can't afford it. So yeah, it's just always interesting to just sort of ask about these things so people know where to where's the best place to go.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of these things get lost um f- with the um the situation with the with laser discs, isn't it? I and mean, when when that whole yeah, market right. erupted and laser disc became this kind of incredibly expensive um format that that was able to have lots of extras. You had was it Hyperion? Um criterion yeah someone uh, one of those companies who were who the laser disc guys and and they they i think you know a lot of their disc releases they had they obviously had the budget and stuff and they and they got a lot of extras uh made for a lot of their releases and i think uh, and that's I think right they held on to a lot of them as well sometimes you know you they yeah, yeah yeah them. so you would get these these um missing commentaries i know there's a missing alien commentary that's sort of infamous there's a there's a there's one that's, that that was um, Ridley Scott on his own, um, which was, uh, you know, a, a, a really good commentary. And that that's not, I'm not sure you can get that anymore. But yeah, it's all kind of to do with that sort of thing. I think, you know, you sort of assume that, that once the disc is out with with uh, various extras, that they'll, it'll always have those extras and it'll just get better. And it doesn't always work like that, does it?
1: Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean about the Alien one. I know on the if the first box set on DVD, they did have that commentary because I got it. Right. And then when they re-released the, the new box set, that's when they gave it the silly name, the Quadrilogy. <laughs> yeah. You had a different one, which was him and Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Yeah, right. The Blu-ray, I'm not sure if it has both or not, but it at least has the latter one. I'm not sure if it has the previous one as well. Mm. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. I love keeping my eye on these things as, as discs come out, especially when things get upgraded onto Blu-ray. You want as much information there as possible. certainly because it can hold it. There's nothing more infuriating than getting a a cheap vanilla Blu-ray disc when you know there's been a really decent DVD edition out beforehand. But a lot of it is just down to who owns the rights and who's releasing it this time round and what they can buy over, if anything, sadly. Yeah,
0: it sort of smacks of um, that kind of the the opportunistic, you know, it's the new format, so let's kind of get it out. And, uh, you know, it it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get... you know, a full, complete uh, sort of uh, overhaul of the, of everything. You know, but yeah, it's a shame. But I mean, we, uh, you know, I, I tend to avoid you know releases like that. Um, and and I mean, we're still waiting for that Crow Blu-ray, aren't we? Really. Uh, that's, that's right. Crow
1: yeah. And I'd like all my writers who I know are out there listening to <laughs> to know that whenever they review a Blu-ray, a Blu, or well, a Blu-ray or a DVD, and should they ever mention previous releases that i'm always there to back them up should the pr email me and start having a go
0: which i think didn't which they happens do with this when i reviewed dark star i think yeah I'm, i think they did.
1: I'm, I'm sort of subtly jabbing my knife at people in particular <laughs> here with yeah. legend as well they, they released legend it, it was the same pr company and basically i went off on one because the british legend blu-ray disc comes with the uk version and it's not cleaned up, and it comes with the director's cut, which is basically the UK version but Extended, which has been cleaned up, but the American one comes with the American edition, which has a completely different score by Tangerine Dream, Mm -hmm. as opposed to Jerry Goldsmith, and it has the director's cut, which again I said is like the Extended British version, and a commentary, and a 50-minute documentary, and a Brian Ferry music video, and loads of stuff, and that's what the Americans get, whereas we get the shitty version. And I mentioned that in my review, and the PR guy was not happy. But that's okay. I I said to him, well, you don't phone up Empire Magazine and bollock them, do you? And he was like, well, their their review's fine. I was like, really? And I pointed him to it, and... The the Empire mm-hmm. had actually reviewed the American edition. <laughs> they didn't mention that it was the import version. It, they mm-hmm. reviewed it as if it was the UK one. Mm-hmm. So that shut him up, got him off my back for a while. Now, I, I think it's important to point out these things because that's what we're we're here to talk about. This this is what people are interested in. That's why sure. I got the damn site going in the first place. Yeah. What the hell's that got to do with Dark Star? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so Dark Star.
1: There we go. There's a, a slight little tangent there. No, as you say, Dark Star was one of those versions where you know we knew there was a different version out there. Yeah, the film itself. Yeah, no, I like I said, I, I just have no, had no real interest in coming back to it. And when I did peek at it, whether it was last year or or the year before. I just sort of thought, wow, that is just really odd.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's a lot of things that are that are already in place. I mean, there's yeah, you know, some of the some of the things that you'll see later on in you know coming out as kind of key Carpenter sort of you know angles and shots and things like that, and those of key things that he tends to do. Yeah, so, you know, quite a lot of them are already there in Dark Star. It's, it's quite 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 good for that, you know. Uh, and I just I do like the. Um, I do like the, you know, I mean, obviously, huge, you know, terrible shoestring budget, and they did a lot with it, and it, but it just introduced a lot of, a lot of concepts, sci-fi concepts that that just were, you know, that ended up being used a lot, you know, not just the alien thing, but just, I mean, even just the idea of the kind of, you know, the used future that even that that Star Wars presented, you know, was kind of, you know, there, there's something about Dark Star. Also, watching Dark Star. Um, as a sort of juxtaposition to 2001, is also quite enjoyable. I find if you watch them both kind of fairly close together, yeah, you, you know, you, there's there's definitely a few sort of um, you know prods in the ribs uh, uh, there, you know, in terms of the uh, you know this idea that you know it, it's not you know the future of sci-fi you know spaceships and all that is it, you yeah, know, it's not going to be. All kind of serene and and lights and bright and white and you know and all that. It's it's going to be people like pissed off and you know, just completely hacked <laughs> off with their jobs and just and all that. You know, it's 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 great after that. I I, I really like it. I mean, it's one of those things that yeah. I mean, it when you watch it now, you just you know you see the egg boxes and the you know all the kind of production limitations and all yeah that. yeah. And it's it's a it's a wacky little film. I think the main drawback is that people think it's it's supposed to be. Belly-splitting, you know, side splittingly funny kind of thing, and, it, and it's not really that kind of funny. It's more, so, you know, it is more kind of existential and a bit more kind of, you know, you know, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't want to really use the word highbrow because that kind of, you know, it's not highbrow, but it's kind of, you know, you know what I mean. It's not, yeah. it's not scary movie. You know what I mean.
1: What I will say that he has here that I've seen in many Carpenter films, and you know, off the top of my head, I will say Escape from New York, The Thing. Uh, certainly in the mouth of madness is that it has a very memorable ending Mm -hmm. and to an extent a really really good last shot which makes you kind of want to cheer at the film or cheer Mm -hmm. with it when you've literally got the image of that guy surfing the ladder towards the 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 big sun Mm -hmm. he's very good at that and a lot of his films have really great strong endings some of them are a little bit cheeky like, I think The Fog, in particular, is one that has a bit of a sort of a cheeky last shot. And, in fact, The Ward, I mean, you watched The Ward recently, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah, that has a very cheeky last shot where you just go, oh, my God. But Dark Star is the opposite of that. It has a really strong, memorable image that helps sort of, you know, keep it in mind. You know, whenever people say Dark Star, that's the first thing I think about is that image.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people do. I mean, I think I think the the image of, of um, the dude uh, surfing the, uh, you know, uh, yeah. whatever... It is uh, I think it's it's been on the jacket a few times. It is one that is kind of uh, uh, very much um, one of those images that that, that kind of uh, you know is is in people's minds if they know it at all. You know, I mean that's the thing with Dark Stars. a lot of people haven't seen it at all, haven't they?
1: Yeah. So what would you rate this one then? Oh, Let's rate them. Well,
0: I, I think you know you can't. I don't think I can give it a massively high rating. Um, it just it depends, really. I mean, you yeah, know, I would. Mm. I like it. I mean, yeah, I still like it today. I, You know, when I watched it for the review, I, I enjoyed it, and, yeah, I, I, mm, it's a strong three for me. I mean, you got to cut it some slack, haven't
1: you, really? Uh, no, you know, so if someone was into John Carpenter and hadn't seen it, I'd go, oh, God, yeah, definitely watch it. So I suppose I really have to give it a three. Right, well, on to Assault on Precinct 13, 1976. Hey, same year I was born. So, uh, now this one I have very strong memories of. I think this might have been the first adult-rated video, or one of the first adult-rated videos I ever saw, because I have strong memories of my dad bringing it home, and a discussion being made between him and my eldest brother, who who clearly was not old enough to watch this himself, about whether it was going to be suitable to watch or not for myself because my dad was fairly lax on you know what we watched when it came to action or thrillers you know that we could pretty much watch just about anything i mean i mean god sake! i mean by this to- around about this time i'd also seen death wish 2 which oh. has some very very uh, fairly graphic rape in it as well as violence yeah. so this was another gang violence movie but i don't know if i saw this before that or the, the other way around but it was about the same time that i saw these and, yeah, quite an eye-opener. Although this one, I've got to say, I think I made it through fairly easily. Because, I mean, even the death of the girl, which is pretty hardcore, you don't see the actual death of the girl. You see the body, don't you?
0: Well, no, no. I mean, you. you, you, you uh, right, that's pretty graphic, really. and you, you see a big splat of blood up her chest and... Do you? Drops to the floor. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't remember that. I must have saw a cut version.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, it's brutal. I mean, it's it, it actually it, the it's one of the um, it's a weird it's a weird thing actually. I think the moment you kill a kid or a baby or something yes. like that in a in a movie, yep, it's like you you you've kind of done two things. One, you know, the first thing you've done is you 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 know you have set the bar very high in terms of shock. Yes. And hardcore-ness. You know, I mean, that, that scene is near the front of the movie. You know, it's before right. anything's happened, really. And all of a sudden, you know, this, this beautiful little kid has just been blown away. And the guy doesn't even really even look at her to, well, when he does it, either. He's just, you know. And it's it's very shocking. It's an incredibly ex- effective scene. And horrible. You think, kids don't die in movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And uh, <laughs> he's blown her away. And, um it's horrid it's absolutely horrid and but but the the second thing that it does is that it means that the the film can can never top that in terms of shock
1: you yes
0: know, there's there's nowhere for it to go on that you know so it's kind of it's kind of good because it sets the bar high and it really grabs your attention if, you know if you've been sort of slightly you know only looking with you know you know, not really paying attention then that scene will will focus the mind very quickly Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah,
1: definitely. I must have seen a cut version because I remember her running back because she gets her ice cream and runs off and then th- realizes the guys put the wrong thing on there. Yeah, and then she runs back yeah. and then I yeah. I just remember her looking, but I don't remember. And then I remember the dad looking at the ice cream van and then seeing her lying down next to it. I don't remember her actually getting shot. Maybe yeah. I blanked it out of my memory.
0: Yeah, no. There's a full full-on squib in the chest, blood up the up the chest, and she drops to the ground. It's it's really nasty.
1: Oh wow. What I like about this film, in that respect, is that the dad gets revenge on that specific person very
0: quickly. Very
1: quickly. So the whole film is not about that killer. No. It literally becomes about the faceless enemy. You know, the gang. Yeah. That's why I'm glad it goes down that route. Otherwise, you'd spend the whole film thinking about that one guy and when is he going to get his comeuppance, if at all. I had not seen anything like this before. I mean, I know this is pretty much a, a remake of a western that I've not seen.
0: Rio Grande, and is it Rio Grande or... Um, uh, um... Rio
1: Bravo, definitely uh, uh, of a Western that I've not seen. And a and cast that I, you know, to this day I don't recognise. You know, I've not seen this cast in sort of anything prominent since, which yeah. is weird because they were um, good.
0: Well, well, of course, the, the one of the girls sort of would turn up as the regular, and, 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 and she was in Halloween, wasn't she? And um, I think the, the, the girl, who, the, the receptionist or whatever, the girl on the phone, Right. Phones in the, in the precincts. you get you gets shot near near the to the front end of the assault. Mm. Um, she is one of the girls uh, in Halloween.
1: Oh all right, um, okay.
0: And I think she's in the maybe one or two other. I think she might be in the fog and things like that. Yeah. Uh, he tends to use a lot of actors over and over, don't they? Doesn't he? I yes. Know when he likes them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but but I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, the thing that watching it again. Um, uh recently that the the thing that i noticed uh, that because it had um tony burton from rocky in it you know the um, apollo's trainer yeah yeah you know and i hadn't i had never really sort of uh i don't i i he has just become that character so much for me that it was really weird
1: his was a memorable role yeah Because he's the one that gets to do the sort of sneak out and jumps into a car. And I remember that being shocking when I saw it as a kid because you expect him to get... And it it was all about, oh, is he going to stop at the the telephone and call for help or not? And you just see the camera sort of zooming towards it and you think, oh, oh, he's not. And then suddenly from, you know, the back seat.
0: (laughs) The old back seat trip.
1: Yeah, so always look in the back seat first. God, did you not see (laughs) Halloween? Nope, because it had not been made yet. I mean, we've talked about the violence and literally, as you've said, it's... the height of that is literally at the beginning of the film. Do you think a lot of people turned it off after seeing that?
0: Really? I don't know. Maybe.
1: Um, if you're going to lose your audience, it will be at that moment.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's, but again, you know, that, I
1: suppose that's like saying a lot of people walked out of Jaws when that kid got eaten. But not likely. <laughs> if anything, it's probably. If anything, as you said, it probably just grabbed their attention.
0: It, yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's it is yeah, it's very shocking. But I think that the you know the the movie backs that violence up with you know i think i think there's some very nice writing in it and and i think the the some of the characters you know one of the one of the problems that that you tend to have quite often with with especially exploitation type movies or or Mm. well a lot of you know uh, different sort of genres of genre movies is that you don't always kind of warm to the characters you know very easily there's not a lot of you know time sometimes you know is there and i think one of the things that was quite good about Assault and Precinct 13 is that you do you do sort of hook into the characters that you're supposed to hook into and, and kind of, you know, root, root for them, you know?
1: I mean, even the uh, the convicts in the cells, you know, yeah. they've got roguish charm about them.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, yeah. You know, the main guy, you know, when he does team up with this copper yeah. and they start working together probably towards the end, you know, he he's certainly got a lot of charm about him. I think they were they were very well sort of defined and played roles, throughout whether they whether they got killed straight away or uh, <laughs> made it through to the end yeah. but I remember there being a lot of the, the gunshots a lot of them had silencer sounds yeah, on them yeah they all, and, I, all, all a, I, a, and I remember that being something that I'd not heard before when I saw this one for the first time so you know whenever I'm watching a film and there's a lot of silencer action going on i I tend to think of this film
0: yeah um yeah there's there's a lot of that and, and, and that that sound is um kind of I mean I'm not sure um whether i mean you know who knows what silenced uh you know weapons actually sound like but i mean mm. the sound that you hear in the movies is is that kind of sound isn't it and yeah uh,
1: yeah
0: and it's very so it is a very effective alternative to the kind of you know the, the gunshot there's something about it that's quite vicious and uh you know quite especially with the sort of the sound of the impact and the kind of you know that little noise and yeah it is it, when they get getting picked off when like when the cop goes out the front of the you know, the, the, the precinct mm. to sort of see what's going on and he gets sort of shot three, four times and, and he yeah. just, you know, he, he it, it's quite brutal. And and I think there's something about it that um definitely is quite effective um over and above a sort of normal gunshot type thing. You know? Yeah. I think the other thing, of course, is that back in these sort of days, uh, you know, back in the 70s and all that, I, you know, I think gunshots tend, you know, like ordinary gunshots, t- tended to be a sort of, they had a sort of stock, you know, sound effects kind of you know list of gunshot type noises, didn't they? And, and they always <laughs> tend to be the same types. Yeah. And, uh, and and they definitely feel a bit tired. You know, sound a bit tired, don't they? Uh, to, to, to modern. <laughs> That's why I liked. Um, I always liked Lee Van Cleef's uh, gun noise in 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 the uh, you know in the good, the bad, the ugly because they gave mm. they gave his gun a, a completely different noise. You yeah. Know, it was a real. It was, like, it was just something cool about the noise that it made wrong you know I, I not I'm saying <laughs> gunshots are cool but you know what I mean yeah. yeah yeah oh god yeah no
1: there's certainly a lot of memory jogging going on when I watch other films that make me think of this one I'll tell mm. you what the weirdest one is though and I because I remember I wrote this note down earlier on it's whenever I watch Robocop yeah you know the scene when Ed 209 falls down the stairs yeah and starts wailing like a baby yeah it reminds me of the end of this when they're in that corridor and they've got that divide between them and all the, ga- the gang members that have broken in. Literally, it's right at the climax. Yeah. And there's, it's the sound of the gang. If you listen closely, you can hear there's a bit of noise repetition going on there and someone is wailing like a baby. <laughs> and it sounds like the Ed 209 <laughs> sound. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Weird. Uh, I, I oh. always related the Ed uh, 209 sort of screech to sort of the aliens screech, you know, you know, you know you this sort of similar kind of screechy. But there's another movie, Aliens, that had great, great gun noises that they thought about long and hard, you know.
1: Absolutely. That's this one, I'm oh god, I'm sort of between a three and a four, so I'll go three and a half with this one, I think.
0: We don't do harms.
1: Yes, we do on the podcast. <laughs> Since <laughs> when? <laughs> Since you and I have debated on at least every single podcast right. Oh shit, um, yeah, so I'm just doing it Alright, well, <laughs> phew, portion
0: of the wind Right, okay, well, I mean, yes, I'd probably agree Yeah, three and a half mm. um, I, w- I was going to say four because I think, you know Because I didn't know we were doing halves But uh, yeah, yeah. no, it's um, it's a three and a half, yeah
1: Oh, special mention to the music score This I think this was the first of his music scores that really stands out Very memorable theme tune
0: yeah 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 uh, opening especially in the opening scenes he he always does it i I've noticed that there's quite often uh, in his films there's a sort of uh, a nice extended uh intro sort of thing that that, that establishes that um you know there's, yeah. there's always that things happening but the but there's the music kind of is 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 you know establishing a a tone you know
1: and it builds very very nicely when it i mean it just literally just starts by ticking away before the synthesizer comes in no, love it. But then again, I love most of the stuff that he's done as a composer, so I'll be sure to mention those as we go along. Now, The Eyes of Laura Mars, I've not seen, which he did as a writer.
0: Yeah, I've seen that.
1: Yeah. Uh, right, do you want to mention that quickly and let us know if it's any good or not?
0: Yeah, um, I remember. I haven't seen it in a very long time. Um,
1: I know the director did RoboCop too.
0: Where's well, Irving? And ne- it, isn't it? and
1: and Never Say Never Again. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Um... Oh fucking yeah! That Star Wars film.
0: That Star Wars film. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. That's the the third <laughs> one you thought of. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I saw it back in. I mean, I yeah, you know, I saw it on TV a few times, and uh, I I had quite a, you know, I quite liked Faye Dunaway, and you know, yeah, I remember. I, I, it's quite cool actually. I mean, it introduced a sort of an interesting concept. This idea of this this woman sort of seeing. Seeing um, yeah these murders uh, through the eyes of the killer and 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 the the kind of life imitating art imitating life and all that kind of thing it's there's some interesting concepts going on but I haven't seen it in a long time so I have no idea how it sort of stands up now yeah. as a, as a movie but um,
1: I know it's got a young Tommy Lee Jones in yeah, it and one. and Brad Dourif as well woo yeah,
0: yeah but
1: yeah I've not seen it so I can't comment oh well <laughs> so, moving on moving what? on to well I guess this was the the sort of the first big hit that he did huge it might, might well be the last big hit he did as well <laughs> uh Halloween. Halloween now I've mentioned this already on one of our previous podcasts it was either Wes Craven 1 or uh, maybe the Evil Dead one but so I'll say it very quickly here I saw Halloween after I saw Halloween 3 then Halloween 4 then Halloween 2 then I saw Halloween mm. And nice obviously team. after after all that I was kinda like, so what's the difference? So I, I've completely saw I mean at the wrong time in my life I was an adult when I saw this as well, so mm-hmm. I didn't see it as an impressionable kid. Right. And after all the imitations and rip offs and sequels, clearly the wrong way to go, so I am not a fan of Halloween. But I do love the soundtrack. Interesting. That's about it.
0: Yeah, I would I would say, um, I would I would hazard uh, a sort of an opinion here that mm-hmm. um, that was the wrong way around to see
1: him. <laughs> now, you remember when I when we did the Schwarzenegger and I told you that I did Conan the Destroyer before the Barbarian? That
0: was the right way to see
1: him. Yeah, exactly, and you <laughs> said maybe that's the right way, and that is absolutely right. That works, whereas this way, though, it doesn't work because all the sequels stick to the formula so closely but just do it really badly. So seeing Halloween after any of the sequels is bad. It it just destroys the effect of the film. And I can watch Halloween, and I've seen it maybe twice, and and I can see that it's a better made film. But at the same time, it it just had no effect on me. And, yeah. So I'm going to have to be very careful when I rate this because I'm not panning John Carpenter's efforts. It's more a case of just the impact it had on me,
0: Mm -hmm. which was none. I think... I think one of the problems with, with a with a sort of genre-defining movie, you know, like Halloween is, you know, you know, I, you know, really is this kind of... It's one of those movies that um, has been aped, and not just by its own sequels, but just by everyone, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I think when you go back to it, or when you, if you didn't see it at the time... I mean, I didn't see it at the time, but I saw it very early on. I mean, I was very young, and probably the first round of television, uh, you know, Screenings that I probably saw it and just got scared out of my mind, and uh, um, you yeah, know, you hadn't seen uh, all the kind of little these little devices and tricks that just everyone does. It's even even now, they still do the, the the backing up into a dark room, and there's going to be someone behind you, and you know, or the turning around quickly, and there's someone behind you, and, you know, all that kind of thing. You know yeah. th- those things were were fairly new, you know, and so it's kind of difficult. You just cannot watch Halloween now without without that baggage, you know. Um, Absolutely it's difficult.
1: But the, the the thing to remember about that as slasher stalker is that this pretty much was one of the first. I mean, all right, you've had you've got your Peeping Tom and your Psycho, but this is a very well certainly from Psycho. It's a very very different animal altogether. Yeah. And this did come, this was the first of the going into the 80s slasher franchises because the, the Freddys and the Jasons all came after this. So I do appreciate that about it. And I do think the character of The Shape, as he's That's known in thing. this, or William Shatner, depending yeah. on how you feel, <laughs> <The deal's laughs> I think is, uh, is a strong figure. Sadly, what they did to it from here onwards, you know, yeah, yeah. But no, in this one, it was a, it, it's certainly an iconic figure.
0: Yeah. Well I, I see strangely enough, I, I have the o- almost a sort of opposite um thing going on with, with, with my um uh Halloween uh experience in, in that I I have not bothered with quite a few of the sequels. Mm. Um so I saw Halloween 2 when it first came out on video and enjoyed it but thought it was but but it, I think I enjoyed it because I was you know yeah I was 12 or whatever I might have been and shouldn't have been watching yeah. it and it was you know Carpenter oh, wrote that one as well didn't he he wrote that one Yeah well he wrote it and he, I think he also shot some of the extra um gory bits cuz they, they 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 there was a I think there was a kind of a feeling okay. a, a rough cut that wasn't you know that didn't wasn't working and he went back and I think he actually shot Oops. a bunch of Sort of extra bits that were uh, cut in, um, but to make it sort of gory yeah. up the ante a little bit because Halloween's you know, I think the you know, obviously the first movie is just not particularly gory, you know, it's not gory at all. No, not particularly. Um, and I think by the time Halloween 2 came out, you had you did have a lot of you know, the ante had been upped in terms of the, the, the claret, you know, and uh, they needed to uh, compete. But I saw that and I saw Halloween 3 and and I still like, I still rate Halloween 3 and that's the only one really that kind of is, is worth a you know a damn in terms of it being, I'll tell you what
1: you know, it's got a really strong music score again yes. by Carpenter yeah. and that's the one that's completely do di- and that's the one I saw first so that one you know did have a bit of an impact on me even though it was a completely different story you know I wasn't introduced to Michael Myers until Halloween 4 and that was when Halloween 4 was coming out on video so yes. that's the first time I saw a Michael Myers film was when that came out and I was like oh let's see this cuz they're bringing back a killer from the first two films that I've never seen yeah. <laughs> yeah. but yeah no the third one was a very very interesting concept and had a really 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 creepy score very creepy and, and, um, and
0: again some very some very hard hitting um, uh, scenes you know in terms of mm. of, of sort of the, the the deaths and I mean and, and the especially the I mean everyone remembers the uh, the family the, the scene with the masks and, and yeah. all the, the worms and snakes and stuff and, and and this again it's a kid that you know by, by the, you know, he's one of the first to go and it's uh, it's pretty nasty. Um Absolutely. But you see, so I, 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 you know, getting back to Halloween, I, the first okay. one, I kind of, you know, I saw those, but I didn't really, you know, throughout the 80s when the next one came out, I mean, I can remember, you yeah. know, yeah, the next one, I was, you know, you know Revenge of Michael Munger Return of Michael Munger, and, and, and I was just kind of like, you know, pfft, yeah, whatever, I'm not really that bothered about that and and so I managed to avoid quite a few of them and uh, kind of preserve my, uh, Love of the first one, right?
1: Really. Yeah. Well, the only one that's worth a damn, in my opinion, is the seventh one, when they sort of brought it back and gave it a proper budget and brought back Jamie Lee Curtis. It wasn't a, a classic, but it was certainly a solid job. But they then butt-raped that one the year after by doing an eighth one and yeah. killing off Curtis's character at the beginning. And you're just like, what? But never mind. Because you could watch one, two, and seven, and it could, be, it could work like a nice trilogy. Yeah. That does end very well but what can you do but yeah the first one like I said I, I, I have no love for the actual film experience itself but I have a lot of love for the work that they put into it and for what it stands for com, com, you know for, for what it the benchmarks that it set yeah. so really I should give it at the very least a three but part of me is going two but I'm going <laughs> to say three because you know because it did that yeah Yeah.
0: It, it, it's an easy four for me mm-hmm. um I would struggle to give it five perhaps maybe I, on a good day i would give it five but I, it's uh-huh. an easy four um i think it just you know it it, it doesn't it hasn't haven't got anything to prove really that's a very good film, and, and i and you know one of the things i love about it um which i love about you know a lot of um, well most of carpenters early stuff is that you know even though the budgets are very low the production values can be you know can, can kind of get very look very nice i mean you always shot you know, in, in um, he use Panavision or, you know, whatever. He always shot very wide, and you know, he used to used to get get these nice big, you know, shots uh, locked off camera or the steady cam and all that sort of stuff. And he used to do these things. And some of the things in Halloween, it's just you know, it, it, the movie looks a lot more expensive than it is, and I think that's a real that's something really good about it. You know, and I, I still, you know, and you can still watch it. I and mean, you, you know, like we were talking about Dark Star. You know, obviously Dark Star student film, cut it some slack, but but you know. The budgets aren't massive on in, on Halloween, you know. They're they're small. <laughs>
1: you know? Yeah, no, they always are. Right, so it's time to move to the fog. Now, Jamie Lee Curtis is back, and How Holbrook's in this one, isn't he? How Holbrook playing oh, the father, yeah. the, the priest,
0: and and Jackman, giant lead in it. Isn't
1: yeah, he? that's right. Yeah. And Adrian Barber. Oh, the
0: lovely Adrian.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes, Adrian Barbour. <laughs> oh, oh my God, my sorry, my mind just going straight to can run <laughs> <laughs>
0: i know the one you mean <laughs>
1: yes yes a bit of music playing in my head there <laughs>
0: yeah sorry i'm just calming down now
1: dum de dum okay so uh the fog now this one he co-wrote this one with
0: yeah co-wrote deborah hill
1: now this one i don't have any particular issues with but i don't necessarily have anything for it either it's serviceable it's a good idea but it just doesn't stick it with me I don't know
0: why yeah it has a decent standing I think in general doesn't it um...
1: yeah the fog's a strange one but like I said I've only seen it the ones but I've seen the remake as well which Carpenter produced
0: yeah I haven't seen that
1: and um yeah not a, yeah um so yeah this one yeah I'm neither sort of for or against it I've just sort of seen it and it was like yeah that's a bit spooky there's a couple of creepy moments but it just sort of leads to what I thought was kind of almost an anticlimax because they managed to sort of figure out what's going on and repel these what are they pirate ghosts ghost pirates yeah Yeah. despite the fact that you have one of those cheeky endings where you know at the very end one one of them comes back to attack the priest and that's one of those endings that I don't like that you get in Carpenter films, and the board has that as well. When we get to that, yeah. where you have the, you know, the, the here's one more scare before we let you go home sort of thing. Yeah, and I kind of go, what the hell's that got to do with the plot?
0: Yeah, <laughs> he they... had to die, Stephen.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. Well, I mean, I suppose this one, yeah, he because he was part of the uh, the issue to begin with, wasn't he? The, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, I do remember that much. So, all right, I'll give them that on this one, but generally. Mm yeah yeah well what, what are your thoughts on the on the fog
0: well weirdly at, at the time um uh or, or around the time yeah soon after kind of thing um um i remember one of the biggest problems this movie had was was being confused with the james herbert book of the same name oh really yeah and, and I, <laughs> I remember a lot of people um when i was at school you know people would sort of they they you know think of the fog and they'd think of the book and you'd think of the book and you think, think it was the the film and and yeah there was a lot of sort of um, there was a lot of confusion over which was which and what was, what it was about and yeah, um, right. and of course they you know they obviously completely different stories and um,
1: that must have been a British thing though yeah very
0: yeah probably very yeah very because um, they've not made
1: local, men- yeah. uh, although they have made films from James Herbert books by at that point there might have been only maybe two maximum yeah the Survivor the, Survivor with Robert yeah, Powell
0: and maybe one of the rat films. Yeah, there was a kind of ratty film, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, yeah but beyond that, they had, there, there's been very, very few. I know a couple appeared in the nineties, Haunted and Fluke, but that's been about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and but very no, that's interesting. Writer, actually, I think, but anyway, that's a difference. Well, he's
1: passed away now, so and yeah. his, his name sort of came up in the news. So I, I reckon people will probably start looking at the material now and start developing it, perhaps. Indeed. Which can only be a good thing, as long as they don't fuck it up
0: but like to see a nice uh, nice rat trilogy you know domain and in particular very post apocalyptic london uh, very nice anyway <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> i was a moon fan my, myself
0: uh, yeah that's pretty good yeah, yeah
1: yeah the fog yeah it's sort of in the middle for it's me it's creepy yeah it's creepy yeah it's it's effective um and, and i'll tell you what the best thing about it is that with that amount of smoke that they've had to use it did not come off like an 80s pop video <laughs> which can sometimes be the case with you know horror films because this was 1980 yeah. i believe so yeah. yeah so you know good on him for that <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i think you know it was it was pretty effectively creepy i think you know you do um yeah i mean you do once once you kind of one i remember at the time one of the reasons that anyone had read, who had read herbert's book um was dis, uh, was disappointed in the film because because this idea that and, and carpenter kind of sort of works with it if, to a time in that for a for a long while in the film the the, the fog itself is dangerous isn't it? it's kind of it's the yes. fog itself that you 're scared of rather than what's in it or you don't because you don't know what's in it yet and um and and that that's what works so well in herbert's book is that is that the fog itself is the problem, not what 's in it i mean what's in it eventually with nutty people going crazy but but you know, I think once you're kind of into pirate ghost type thing, it's sort of there's a, there's a certain element of that that's lost in terms of the the power of the fog itself, you know. Um, yeah. But you know, maybe maybe I'm just being too overcritical. But
1: oh yeah. god, I've got this horrible argument going on in my head right now. Are you a South Park fan? I am. Have you seen the episode where corn appear? And they're, they're they're riding around Scooby Doo style in this sort of like the mystery machine, All right. and they're actually animated that way as well. And they basically sort of help solve a mystery in South Park. And basically, it's ghost pirates, but they keep arguing with each other, saying, "Is it ghost pirates or pirate ghosts?" <laughs> and there's this huge argument about you know were they pirates that are, that are dead and have now become ghosts, or mm-hmm. was it ghosts who have then become pirates? And just like ah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, uh, well, this one I'd, I'd, I'd give a 3-2, just basically because I'm straight down the middle with it. I, it didn't offend me, but it's not one that I've come back to.
0: Yeah, I don't come back to it often, so I'd, I'd probably even knock it down to a 2.5 maybe, but, uh,
1: oh, but well. a 3
0: on a generous day.
1: Well, things took a bit of a boost in 1981 with certainly one of his cult classics, and certainly one of his... All time classics, I guess, with Escape from New York. Escape
0: from New York.
1: Before we get into this, we should mention that this is not his first film with Kurt Russell. They had done the Elvis movie, which TV movie, which yeah. I've not seen.
0: Oh, it's great. It was good, is it? Yeah, it's a good, yeah. I, I, yeah, it was, uh, I saw it many years ago, and yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's great.
1: Any idea why it was a TV movie?
0: Not really, no. Um, I don't really know much about it, to be honest. I just remember seeing it a number of times mm. uh, when I was growing up on on TV, and 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 not really knowing who Kurt Russell was, or or at least yeah. kind of I wasn't. You know, it was obviously before I'd really got into him as an actor, and uh, so uh, but but being you know and obviously being a, you know, quite an Elvis, you know, fan. I liked Elvis and everything, so it was kind of yeah, it was a it was a good good film, and I I just remember. Um, uh, really enjoying it, but I haven't seen it in a long time. So you know, you, you know you do, it's always a trouble, isn't it, when these films are ancient and you haven't seen them in years. You, you know, you think, I think, well, perhaps when you stick it on now, you go, "What was I thinking?" But yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> subjectively, I really, I thought, I think it's great. It did very well too.
1: Yeah, it was 1979 that they did that, so it was it was before the fog, but it was after Halloween. Mm. So yeah, that's odd that it was a, a TV movie, but never mind. All right, pop quiz: What other film did Kurt Russell play Elvis? Very briefly.
0: Yes. And it may have
1: just only been the voice. In fact, it was just the voice he provided.
0: Was it Baba Hotep? Nope. Who was Elvis in that then? That's Bruce Campbell. Oh, of course it was. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it was Forrest Gump. Oh, of course. (laughs) 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 Yeah. He actually did another film called... I think it was 3,000 Miles to Graceland with Kevin Costner, where they play a bunch of Elvis impersonators that rob a a casino.
0: Yeah, I've never really... I've never watched that.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird and all over the place, and (laughs) it deserves to be sort of straight to video, which it was here, I think, but yeah, anyway. Mm -hmm. So Escape from New York, then. These guys, I mean, this is his De Niro, isn't it, Kurt Russell? They've worked with each other five times? Well, the, the two Escape movies, The Thing... Big Trouble in Little China, and Elvis. Right, yeah. Now, this one, again, it was either this, or one of his first two films that I saw was the first Carpenter film that I saw. Mm. And this blew me away. And I have watched this on a regular basis right into my adulthood. Very excited when they brought out the the special edition on DVD, because the the two of them quite often do commentaries together. And I think they've done that on every film except... Escape from New York Sorry, Escape from LA Which is a bit of a shame Because I'd like to hear Their thoughts on that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean You know The, the, the supporting cast In this one it, 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 It's just all the Different colourful characters That you get introduced to you know, Whether it's Lee Van Cleef At the, be, you know, at the beginning uh, Or Ernest Borgnine As Cabby Who's the president? Donald Pleasance Donald Pleasance Yeah yeah And, fuck, and bloody Isaac, Isaac Hayes, Hayes. <laughs> And uh, Adrienne Barbeau is back again Hello <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and yes, plenty
0: Stanton's
1: in it, isn't he? in That's right. Yeah, Brain, I remember the name Brain uh, confusing me <laughs> as a kid. Because yeah. That's it, because I remember be like being in the video store and it'd have Life of Brian on the shelf and it'd be too high up for me to see it properly, but it was all those big, you know, block sandstone letters. And I always thought it said Life of Brain and I thought it was about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Random. I think it's a bit slow when I watch it now. I think it's definitely dated, but at the same time you You have to buy into the character he's in no rush to save anybody, yeah and I seem to remember at one point he actually just pulls up a chair and sits down because he just doesn't have a clue what to do yeah.
0: <laughs> that's the thing i mean i i it's it's quite an odd character snake Pliskin, isn't it it's it, you know because he, he's always you know we only ever see him, I and mean, when with the two films that you know the two escape movies. We only yeah. ever see him when someone else is, you know, strong strong arming in, in him to doing something, and he's got right. a and he's going to die, and he doesn't really want to do it, and he ha- and he doesn't really have a, a stake in the outcome other than yeah. his own hide, and so it does make for interesting <laughs> kind of moments, doesn't it? Yeah. Especially in the first one.
1: I mean, obviously he's he's stolen a lot from Clint Eastwood's The Man with No Name in the character of this, but I had no problem with that. I liked that. I think Kurt Russell did something sort of new. With that sort of type of characteristic, the the actual adventure that he, he sort of goes on—it's mainly just the characters that he runs into that make it interesting, yeah. and how he reacts to them. And quite often, it's in a hostile way. And then you've got that great fight that he has to have in the the wrestling ring.
0: And and it's—I always liked that that you know Kurt Russell doesn't—he's never quite had, you know, he's never quite bothered with the extreme physicality that that stallone or you know yeah. someone else would have brought to a role like that you know he's he's in good shape and everything but he's not mm. you know he's kind of looks like a normal you know guy who's who's you know in good shape but maybe slightly soft you know what i mean he's not he doesn't yeah. look like so that he's so formidable that you can't you know get a pop in and That's he does right. get popped quite often <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that kind of brings the character to a certain sort of level that that maybe is quite attractive in some ways you know um, yeah the fact that he's he's got one eye obviously also is. uh...
1: No, I know what you mean about Russell as an I think actually I think the only time he put in real effort and not to say that he didn't bother before but when he really put in an effort to get himself properly on in full on shape was for soldier exactly soldier and he was well he was well into his 40s then wasn't he yeah
0: he grew some arms for that
1: one. Yeah, got some damage done.
0: Well, he had to fight old uh, um, Jason, Jason Scott, Scott Lee, Lee. So, you know, who had also buffed up from from the Bruce Lee flick. Uh, he was almost, that's you know, right, a few times the size he was.
1: That was probably the last time I ever saw him as well. Before he went straight to DVD, <laughs> yeah. but old Jason Scott Lee. Yeah, I mean, I, there's nothing that I really want to say about this that people haven't already said. A hundred times before, mm. so I'm just sort of like fully on board, going, "Yep, I agree with all that." But it is slightly dated now, so it has to lose points for that. So, eh, I'm a good solid four.
0: Yeah, I'm I happy with a four. Um, I, it's, it's definitely watchable. It is, mm. I think, from 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 a point of view of a, maybe a modern movie, it is it is kind of slow, but it's kind of you know, I don't, I wouldn't knock it for that. You know, it you know, yeah. it's kind of. And like again, it. great like theme it. tune as well. Yeah.
1: Well, after this, I mean, he did the writing job on Halloween 2. I don't think we need to bother with mm. rating Halloween 2, but it's getting a 1. And. <laughs>
0: a 1. <laughs> yeah, Halloween
1: 3, I'll give a 3 2, though, but that's not till 82. Well, actually, going into 1982 comes The Thing. Oh, the I'll th- tell you what, he didn't do the music score. It was Ennio Morricone. But some of it sounds like Carpenter Man.
0: Yes, it does. Yeah.
1: Some of it really does sound like Carpenter, and it's weird. I'm thinking, was, did he do a little bit of work? Did he do say this or say that, or was it literally just old oh, Morricone? It's really bizarre.
0: It is bizarre because w- when <clears throat> you when you hear that, and and again, you've got that long uh, intro in the movie with the with mm. the chase with the dog and the helicopter. Oh god, I love that,
1: that, that cue. Oh,
0: you know that bum, fantastic bum. sort of minimal score coming in, mm. and you think. Yeah, it's just pure carpenter. <laughs> Any moment, yeah. I'll tell you.
1: Here's, here's another example because a typical John Carpenter scare, and you get this in the thing, is you'll have someone walking around in the dark. You know, hello, someone there, and but they'll be in in the background looking, and then in the foreground, a shadow will pass by the camera. Yeah. So whatever the assailant is, it's actually closer to the audience than it is, you know, the, the person at the back of the shot. Yeah. You get that shot a lot in Carpenter, especially the horror films. But you you always get that yeah. noise yeah, when the they sting. go past the camera. Yeah. yeah, and that's that not the the composer doing that? Or not necessarily?
0: Um, yeah, it would be normally. You know, those kind of things would normally be um, mm. the the. Because that was very
1: Carpenteresque as
0: well. That sound. It it would seem to me like maybe there was, you know, I mean, you know what these things are like. You know, sometimes you you've got, um, you know, you you have agreements made uh, when when people get you know are hired to do certain jobs, and you just you know the the actual work, uh, people who's doing what, um, is is not always you know exactly as it says on the tin. You know, so there may well have been some collaboration between uh, yeah uh, carpenter and Marconi you know who knows you know but it certainly sounds like there was if, yeah, if there yeah. wasn't he was certainly under under some very very kind of uh, you know intense guidance from carpenter of what he wanted because it's perfectly you know it, yeah. it, it's like you know if you'd said if you said the score from the thing was done by carpenter you would not hesitate for a minute to say yeah absolutely
1: well i'm just going to come out and say that i think this is his best looking film i think literally all the characters all the character work is nothing short of greatness
0: yeah I would agree
1: this is my favorite Carpenter film of all time and it has been for a long time and this is one of the maybe three horror films that I saw as a kid that really really screwed me up <laughs> throw the other names out there the Omen yeah the Omen trilogy in fact but a lot of that was down to the music and David Warner losing his head yep yep that didn't do me any favors as a kid alien <laughs> but similar to alien is the thing in the sense that I, I i only made it about 20 minutes into the film before i turned it off <laughs> both of those films i turned off as a kid and in fact with alien it was even worse i didn't even get to anything happening <laughs> i was that terrified with the thing i at least made it to the dog bit With the section with the dogs, and then I was like, right, no, I can't handle this, and then I turned it off, and it was years before I attempted it again, and I was uh, nine, maybe?
0: Do you know... Right. (laughs) 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 Well, well, when I first saw the thing, um, I saw it in the worst possible um, way to watch a scary movie, in that I Uh, was In the dark with the volume up? (laughs) (laughs) I I was alone in the house on a Saturday evening, and I was maybe... uh, I don't know, maybe sort of thirteen or fourteen. So I was kinda of older than you were when you saw it, so you know If it bit.
1: was on T V it may have been the same night. <laughs> yeah,
0: it could have been. Um so and I and I got I remember getting to the point where the the defibrillator scene.
1: Oh <laughs> I got to that
0: and, and had to turn over because I was at, so intense I was like, Oh my god <laughs> you know oh my god, this thing's just opened up and he chopped his hands off from <laughs> <laughs> you the know, and all the heads it was just too much and I had to t- I had to turn over to you know like whatever, yeah. whatever else like OTT or something might have been on the other side or uh, or Russ Abbott or something you know um, I mean you um, watch
1: that scene now and you you sort of cheer along or you laugh with it because that guy you know because when the head turns into the giant spider and I'm arachnophobic at best yeah. you know the guy drops the line you know you gotta be fucking gotta kidding be me fucking and, that, <laughs> and that gets a huge laugh yeah but you know as a kid you're like
0: ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the, 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 uh, the obviously Rob Bottin uh, effects in that was, I mean, you know, if if you can do a film and do things that you that no one's ever seen before, then, you know, he, you don't have to do anything else in my book and yeah. you, you've made it, you know, it's just like, you know, uh, everyone talks about, um, you yeah, know, Rick Baker and all the, all the, all and, and, Winston, and yeah. all those people in, you know, and Rob Bottin's up there. I mean, he's done. You know, he's, he's Legend. Like, but, Hello. But, but man, the thing. I mean, everyone says the thing. You know, it's like, oh my god. I
1: know? always throw Legend in there as well. That that makeup he did for Tim Curry and Legend is just astonishing. It, the big red it demon. Is, but
0: there is a caveat to that, Stephen, and that's the bit where he's running. <laughs> because uh, if, if you okay. watch the slow mo bit where he's running towards the camera,
1: yeah, the yeah, horns yeah. are
0: bouncing up and down in a rather unhorn-like manner.
1: That's true, and if you watch him sword fighting with Tom Cruise, you can see that it's a stunt double because they've got a face that's just frozen uh, in wow. the "I'm shitting myself," you know, look. Great stuff. I've studied that film very well.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but, no, but yeah, magnificent uh, special effects, and uh, yeah, I mean, and and again with the thing, I think um, similar. I always I always liken it to Alien in terms of it being that very limited cast. You know, there's twelve people or whatever it is. Mm. And, uh, alien yeah. seven or whatever it is. And and so you've got that kind of, you know, it's, it's 10 little Indians. It's, you know, it's kind of, mm, I mean, I love that. Yeah. It's fantastic. And the, and the, um, I'm a big fan of the book, the original book as well. You know, the, the, uh, who goes there. Yeah. Who goes there? John W. Campbell. Um, it's a great book. It's great. I mean, it's very different from, it is, the, yeah. you know, they, the story has been quite adapted for, for Carpenter's movie, but, but the whole idea of this, you know, this idea of, 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 you know, who is my enemy and who isn't. you know, there's someone amongst us, you know, and you don't know who it is. And I mean, it's that, that the, the scene that sums it up is, is the one outside in the snow where they've just set fire to the, in the pit, you know, and Kurt Russell yeah. delivers that whole, uh, you know, uh, uh, I know I'm human, and you know some of you uh, must be human. Uh, you know, otherwise you'd just attack me right now. You know, kind of thing. So, yeah, and, and that whole thing about just not knowing who the guy next to you is, and it's absolutely great. It's fantastic stuff. And they they
1: handle that so well. You literally do not know who is it's going to be next, No. and I think they handle it really well. I mean, I, on a rewatch again and again, every now and again I got go aha, uh, like when the dog initially goes into someone's room, yeah. I can tell who that is by the shadow because you can see the shape of their hair. Yeah. But, you know, first time around, no way. I, I couldn't tell who that was. But beyond that, you're kind of like, when did that guy get it? When did that guy get it? And it's great at keeping that, you know, suspense going, which yeah. is something that the prequel that they made a couple of years ago or mm-hmm. last year didn't do very well. It was obvious who was the thing in that. Yeah. It was unbelievably obvious. Was, were, you know, they were telegraphed so badly, and you're just well, like, "Oh my and, god!" And
0: also, with that, the 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 thing itself was was not hiding. Was it particularly? Yeah, They'd kind of come right out and attack people in front of other people. So it kind of that's right. It wasn't really, you know, they, they didn't really play with the idea of of uh, the paranoia to the degree that they should have. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: either that, or I suppose the, the internal monologue of the thing is as it crosses over from the prequel to. Carpenter's film is. Hmm, maybe I should be a bit more soul. <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe, maybe, yeah.
1: But you don't get that, sadly. No. But no, everything about this. One. I mean, actually, there's a really good book by the BFI. The BFI do a film series, and it's BFI Classics, BFI Modern Classics, and the thing is one of the modern classics. And I can't for the life of me think who the name of the author is, but they did a really good reading of this film right. and it's a good sort of 80 pages or so yes. i highly recommend that it's one of the first bfi books that i got to read and you know this just talks about the whole you know the thing as a virus the thing as this you know different sort of ways of, of perce- perceiving the film and it's a very very interesting read for anyone that's really into the film should definitely check that out
0: yeah
1: yes yeah, fascinating but this was the first of what carpenter calls his apocalypse movies yes Apocalypse Trilogy, this, Prince of Darkness, and ending with In the Mouth of Madness. That's right. All very different types of apocalypse, and uh, this was this one, and it's it's getting a five.
0: Oh, it's an easy five.
1: Yep, we easily. It all night, it's an easy five. But yeah, let's move on, because we, we will be talking about it all night long. 83, yep. then, was Christine. Christine. Christine, I've seen once, and it was about mid to late 80s when I saw it, so I'm going to have to take a, ha ha, back seat. On this one, Ah. (laughs) yes, Keith Gordon, is that the actor who is now a director? Yeah, and this is a Stephen King novel or novella that was was, adapted. I I, I remember, you know, the 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 scene where the car gets beaten up, and then mends itself in front of its lover, this uh, human nutcase. Uh, and I remember the scene in the alleyway where it, it just crushes itself in order to get to its prey. That's right. Yeah, very little beyond that. Yeah, this one uh, is, is not strong in my mind. What are your thoughts?
0: Um, I need to rewatch it. It's an interesting. Uh, I think it's an interesting um, movie. I, I really like it. Actually, I, I haven't seen it again in a while, but I used to watch it quite a lot. And um, mm. uh, you know, it was one of those um, movies where I mean, it's it's kind of h- high concept nonsense, you know, um, obviously. And um, but but it's done with the cons- you know, I think it's done with a sort of conviction that is is you know um admirable you know I, I love the idea of this killer car and this always playing the 50s music and uh and oh that's right you know and kind of um uh you know seducing each sort of successive owner in uh you know in, into being completely sort of maniacally uh you know uh, supporting the car and, uh i just yeah i thought it was a great a great idea I, i've never actually read the book weirdly um i don't know whether you have but um I've
1: not read one Stephen King book.
0: Ah, well.
1: I've not. read a book of short stories mm-hmm. and there was one short story in old twenty that I, I really loved actually, but the rest of them I was just like, uh eh, whatever. So I've never really picked up on King.
0: Right. I mean I'm not a massive fan either. I've read I did I did read I've read a few of the sort of what I would say the sort of classic you know 70s and 80s king novels but
1: like it in the stand and stuff like that yeah
0: um carry i've never read this one and um mm. but no i think it's a great film I, you know it's it's got a lot of merit um to it i like i like i like the descent you know Ar- arnie's uh, descent from the nerd you know who's kind of lovable nerd to to you know being just completely you know uh, past saving and um and the car is perennial, yeah. you know. Every every time it does anything to itself, it fixes itself all up and uh, and is is brand new again, and uh, and waits for the next person uh, to come and cherish it, you know. And I, yeah, you know, it's weird. And there was there was a kind of a raft of killer car movies, you know. I don't know which came first, you know, which, but there was a few that that I remember <laughs> from the. I remember there being a the killer guy. dozer. <laughs> yeah, kill dozer. Yeah, yeah. There was, but there was one. There was one. I remember that was I think a British-made thing with a with a with a VW Beetle covered in spikes. Um, really? That was kind of going around killing people. And there, and there was another one, American one, which this sort of devil car, uh, which was supposedly the devil uh, in a car. That was kind of, yeah, a bit like Jewel, but it was like it, there wasn't actually yeah. anyone driving it. You know?
1: Now I remember the. I, mean, I know the poster for this one. I remember standing out because it's that you know that sort of the silhouette of the car with the lights, headlights on,
0: yeah.
1: And it's got the fancy writing where it says Christine. Did it have a tagline? This? Yes? It didn't have a dodgy tagline or anything, did it?
0: Um, I'm not sure. I mean, not I remember that. I I remember being um, one of the best sort of things that, that I liked about about the film was was the lighting, uh, the, the, especially with you know those fantastic sort of again with the with the sound effects. You know, so you'd have that situation where you've got the dark alley and and the the car's down there but you and you sort of know it's down there but maybe you sort of think it might be and then the, you know, all the lights come on you know with this sort of massive flare and uh and they're really intense <laughs> and, and yeah. that huge sort of sting sound the carpenter sting you know and yeah it's pretty cool
1: gonna have to go sort of three-ish again on this one again just because i can't remember it it is one that i need to pick up and watch again at some point see if it's worth see if it's it's, any it's, good or it's not great.
0: i mean I, again the soundtrack's cool it's got that 50s soundtrack which is quite cool it was all happy-go-lucky but yeah, mm. yeah, I, yeah I liked it I, I still like it i mean i'd like to watch it it's one of those ones that i'd like to watch now you know i think oh yeah i haven't seen that in a while i'd like to watch that again um so yeah it's an easy three for me
1: but the the philadelphia experiment he wrote yeah and
0: is is that the time travel one yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, I I I have seen this once, and back in the day as well. So God, what's the name really of the actor really
1: that's terrible. in it? He had a. What's the name of the actor that was in this? Do you remember the guy? Because he's in Village of the Damned as well. He gets bumped off very literally at the beginning of Village of the Damned. Michael mm. Pear Parry, something like that. P A R E, I think, with one of those squiggly marks over the the R. Right. Anyway, I've got the page up now. Yes. I don't know how you pronounce that, but yeah, yeah, no, I remember that, yeah, I remember this, uh, the, the, the time travel one, because they were uh, sailors or something, aren't they?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I have very little to say about it, to be honest, because I'm thinking, well, it's been so long since I've seen it, and, um, you know, it, it's kind of like, well, I'm not I can't really remember much about it, other than the sort of naval... You know, uh, time-travelling Nancy Allen, you know...
1: Move on. Oh, he didn't write it, he produced it. Alright, fuck that then. Okay, <laughs> so, Starman! Starman! God, I'm really letting down the side. I have only seen this, like, maybe twice, but I've got good memories of it. Right. And again, the music score stands out.
0: Wonderful, yeah.
1: In my head, that just bombastic thing that just... Is that him doing the music again on, on no, this one? No,
0: it's, um... Oh! No, it was, uh... Oh, God, what was his name? Oh, yeah, Nietzsche, Jack Nietzsche. All right. Yeah, it's a lovely score, very lovely, and but I and weirdly quite syn- synthesised, I seem to remember. Um, but I, I, am sure there's, in fact, because I wrote the I wrote the, um, slight retrospective for this one, and I remember at the time, mm-hmm. after I'd watched the movie again caught up with it, I remember thinking to myself, Hang on, there's a symphonic score that I've got in my head that isn't in the movie and I'm thinking so I think someone else has done you hmm. know has taken that main theme and done something more symphonic with it in, in the in the interim yeah, that I've heard yeah. I, I had it in my head because I was kind of waiting for it to come out and it never really did and uh, and but the, the and the score in the film is much more sort of synthesised and um, you know uh, uh, and yeah great absolutely marvellous but yeah 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 it was but it was was weird cause I was thinking when's the big symphonic bit going to come in? <laughs> and it never does
1: this was Karen Allen who yeah. I obviously and I dare say yourself knew from Raiders of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. and Jeff Bridges who got an Oscar nomination for this role. Absolutely. A hell of a part to, to take on with you know the way that he speaks, his, his alien character. And who's the little guy with the glasses? Charles Martin Smith? Um, yes. Who had gone to be in The Untouchables, and a director in his own right. Yeah, no, I remember this being a very... Because this was like a PG, this was him doing a kid's film, essentially.
0: essentially sort of kid's yeah. adventure.
1: Yeah. Do you think this was in the wake of what happened with E.T.?
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think we. It's, it's probably, yeah, I mean, it was It was something to do. It was definitely a job that he was, um, I think, obliged to take in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, because um, he was only a director. He didn't produce yeah. or, yeah.
0: I think it was one of those things that had Starman not performed, you know, we, yeah. we might have had a different future for John Carpenter. You know, it was one of those things that was, a. I think there was a, a definite... Moment where things were in the balance a little bit, yeah. Um, but luckily, he yeah, raped.
1: he's had a very rocky road because he's never—I mean, not since Halloween, really. He's never had a f- films that have been massive hits to this day. I mean, quite often his films will flop at the box office and find their audience on video, mm. which is a damn shame because one, he gets restricted in budget, but we know he's a man who can work that way. So that's not necessarily too much of a, of an issue. Sometimes, maybe later on in his career, when the budget isn't there to support the effects that are needed, yeah. be they practical or augmented afterwards. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's also restricted the projects that he could make because working as a writer as well, there's only so much that he can get done or that he can get green lit, yeah. which is a damage. And again, you, I mean, I attribute that to why the, his work becomes so sparse. Certainly, in the last decade. Because the opportunities just haven't been there, sadly.
0: Well, I mean, he's definitely a director who has, especially as a writer as well. I mean, he's he's a he's someone who is kind of prone to um, push things sort of outside of the expected, you know, norm with with, with Hollywood. I think that's the problem. You know, I mean, you, you know, you know. Mm. I mean, we've all sort of heard the stories of you know how they had to shoot the um, they had to shoot the positive ending for the thing yeah you know, he was obliged to do that, and obviously they made the decision he He luckily had enough uh, control there to 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 not have to use that ending and to go with the sort of apocalyptic uh, who knows whether they survived who knows if any yeah. or the thing uh ending you know the downbeat ending and I think you know it's stuff like that i guess uh, um uh, and and the fact that sort of quite a few of his films have you know just they haven 't performed um at the time i mean you know the thing is is up there in terms of you know it's, it's done well in, in the years since as a, as, you know, on the oh, yeah. market and stuff. But, but, yeah, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, I mean, name me a person, you know, I, I don't know anyone who's watched that film who doesn't rate it very highly. So, you know, um, but it, it is one of those kind of weird things. He's not, he doesn't fit into that. He's a bit of a sort of square peg in a Yeah. Well,
1: 1986. uh <laughs> Big up <laughs> in Little China. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, th- 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 uh, th- this is so in my top three John Carpenter films. Mine too. And You've seen people try and do this kind of film since. American studios trying to do the whole kung fu mystery. It's literally how do you describe the plot of this film to someone and make it coherent. It's almost impossible. But to make a film that is not only coherent... But this enjoyable, this exciting, this much fun, this daft, this silly, this gross, (laughs) everything thrown in, you know, and the kitchen sink, twice, (laughs) and it's just an absolute classic. I mean, I reviewed a film recently called Man with the Iron Fists, Uh which was by The Rizzo, and it was trying to be this sort of thing, but set in ancient China, and it just failed on every level. Mm. It just absolutely failed on every level, and... You know, they clearly had talent there to, you know, to do all the fight, all the choreography and all that sort of nonsense. But it just didn't come together. And I think the key that makes this work, Big Trouble and Little China work, is Jack Burton. Because he's such an idiot.
0: It, but this, and exactly. This, We're the ones that are following him. <laughs> this is the thing. This is how Carpenter sort of subverts the the, the, the expected thing, especially with, with yeah. in terms of... Um, cultural you know sort of racial stereotypes you know jack burton's you know the, the you know he's the he's the dudley do right well he's not dudley do right but you know he's the he's the kind of the white <laughs> hero you know the the, uh, the strong man muscles and um, yep. the vest and, everything, and he's a you know <laughs> <laughs> and it's just great that it's kind of completely flip-flopped like that and uh, and uh, yeah. you know and it's actually um um wang who is uh you know, he's the capable one. He's the one who's actually on the, you know, on the money. And uh, yeah. but, but Jack still gets the job done, doesn't he? I mean, he blunders through, but gets the job done eventually.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how he gets the job done because half of it, some of it, sometimes it's just blind luck. Yeah. Especially at the end. Good lord! I mean, <laughs> I mean that potion they took must have done something because what he does with that knife at the end—you're just like,
0: fucking hell, yeah. Finally. It's all in the reflexes. <laughs> yeah
1: but I mean even actually even if we go straight to that moment when he does kill the the main villain it's almost by accident that he does it because he tries to kill him and completely screws it up up, and even Kim oh Kim Cattrall's back yes um and even oh god in that outfit oh
0: You know what? (laughs) If we're gonna go, if we're gonna talk King Patrol, we need to talk about the scene in the tunnel when they get wet, and you know she's got no bra on, and I'm I'm sorry, I just that was a repeat, uh, rewind, watch, rewind, watch, rewind, watch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I fell in love with King Patrol. I think that that movie. Yeah, 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 A lot of
1: people did. I completely forgot what I was talking about. Yes. What the hell was I talking about? Um. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, because she gives him that, because even she gives him that look of, come on, yeah, come man. On, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally just that blind luck bit of moment when he just snatches it out of the air and throws it back at the guy yeah. and lands it in his head.
0: And, I mean, you know, even um, even Lo Pan, you know, James Hong is... Ah! Huh? You know, yeah, he's hilarious. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's the big bad, but he's funny.
1: Shut up, Mr. Button. You are not brought upon this world to get it. You know? Oh, he's great!
0: Yeah, indeed. But but still um, lethal. You know, I mean, you don't doubt that he's you know dangerous. He just who are these people? Friends of yours, huh? Now this really pisses me off to no end. But he's funny too. It's it's a good
1: oh, absolutely. Yeah. But he plays a, a wonderful dual role because he the old guy in the wheelchair yeah. and then this high camp magician. Yeah. That plays both sides of that role wonderfully. Yeah. And I love his three main henchmen, the, the, the storms. I think each each of them are great.
0: Yeah, they're great.
1: But I mean oh god, Jack Burton, no I mean obviously my favourite moment is I mean for a lot of people the funniest moment is when they're about to go into battle and they all do that battle cry and he fires his gun into the air. <laughs> <laughs> and manages to hit the ceiling, and then all the rocks fall down and knock him out. <laughs> that's right, And he's yeah. out for most of the fight. That's he's literally right. just lying there unconscious. Oh, God, it's so funny. Yeah. But there's a great moment earlier on when, I think it's when he tries to go undercover into the the, the, the hooker's den, when the the storms come along, and he walks up to one of them, grabs his hat, sort of lifts it up, punches at him a couple of times, and then just smiles and nods.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then
1: just gets belted through the wall. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan
0: of the, uh, you know, the o- opening the door and there's 50 henchmen right there, and he closes it. Again and goes, you may be trapped. <laughs> and and uh, I, my also favourite bit is the lipstick as well. You know, <laughs> yeah, when he comes out of the elevator. <laughs> yeah, and he's got lipstick on his on his lips. You know, because she's kissed him, and uh, and so he's all being all sort of you know macho and everything. He's got... <laughs> It's great. I mean, you know, I, I mean, well, yeah, you know, listen to us. You know, we are waxing miracle about it, and that—that's because it's such a, it is such a cool. Yes.
1: Movie. It's a great I, in fact, if I was listening to two other people saying the very things we were saying, I'd be like, "Sod it! I need to put it on now. I need to watch it." Yeah.
0: And the and the travesty <laughs> of it. And I mean, I'm, you know, I, I am a fan. Is that of a Golden fucking Child. flop? I'm a fan of Golden Child. I like it. I like. I, yeah. I do like the Golden Child? But that, but that was the movie that made all the money. Really? With, it, with a similar kind of theme. Yeah, right
1: that's what the Golden Child flopped as well. Yeah. Uh, but this one definitely flopped. Sadly, it flopped. It did. But again, it's found its following afterwards. Thank God for that. And again, amazing soundtrack, with the possible exception of that song. Mm. But yeah, but I love the soundtrack of this one. Do okay, we need to mention anything else about this one? We're just going to be, you know, blowing smoke up its ass all <laughs> night long.
0: I think it, it it it's ahead of its time. This movie it was. It, I think I don't think people were kind of ready for quite this mix of of uh you know genres and the sort of subversion of of the, of the kind of stereotypes and stuff. I mean it's a, it's great and I mean, and it stands up you can watch it now and it, and, and enjoy the hell out of it and, mm. and uh yeah I mean it's just top notch.
1: It is five five yeah, stars five. easy. Yeah I I just love to keep going. I mean it's the kind of one you would you'd want to devote a, an entire podcast to to talk about and maybe one day we shall. <laughs> but oh good lord yeah it's just uh, it, it's so funny. Anyway. Right. So he did a couple of other sort of writing producing jobs, but the next one was Prince of Darkness. Now this is one that I saw late. This is one of the last ones that I've seen. Mm. So I've only seen it and it was literally I think the last sort of couple of years. I was quite surprised actually at how well one it, it's actually kind of cheap looking, but two I still kind of liked it. There was a couple of mom- moments that I thought were really effective. Mm. Especially the the moment uh, with the dude outside who who turns into all the bugs. Yeah, I thought was disgusting, <laughs> and but in, in an effective way. Yeah. Whereas my memory of it before having seen it, I'd seen like a couple of clips, and all I remember was seeing demonic-looking women standing in corridors with their eyes glowing and permed hair, and I thought, oh, good God, this looks so 80s, and just didn't go near it. But when I have sort of watched it recently, I was like, oh, that's actually quite quite effective. And I quite liked what happens at the end with the, the certainly the leading lady. That's quite yeah. dark, well, even I mean, though it is a happy yeah. ending, but yeah. It's the look on her face. Yeah. Sort of distilled...
0: This film is kind of—I mean, the, one of the one of the weird things that I find about about Prince of Darkness is that you know it it, mm. it is again um, coming after Big Trouble um, that you know didn't do well at the flicks. You know, it, it's got a no. third of the budget of, of, of Big Trouble. You know, I mean, it doesn't need yeah, yeah. the budget of Big Trouble, but but you can see that there's a—it's definitely kind of—it's a much more low budget affair.
1: Yeah, and I think it it's mainly in the set dressing where you can see that, that yeah. the, the, the where they are just doesn't look appealing on film. no
0: and, But anyway. um, and it, and it's it's quite a bleak it's it's quite bleak and it's um mm. but it and i'm not sure you know i mean it's, it was um it is it does seem more dated looking at watching it. yeah it seems it seems i don't think it's it's staged it up well especially when you're you know when you do have to believe in the whole kind of um you know, when you do have the classic Carpenter, you know she's in the room, you know, and and when the camera swings round, sort of uh, Michael Bay style, you know, uh, you'll see that yeah. uh, all of a sudden there's a there's a little, you know, you can see that there's someone standing there that, who, who the, our main character hasn't noticed yet, ah! you know, and um and when that person standing there is is some sort of girl with a like you say with the '80s perm and shoulder pads or something, it you know there is a slight kind of yeah. <laughs> it's not quite working now. <laughs> you know it's a shame but um but it's quite it's still a quite an effective movie i thought it's quite it's quite you know like you say that scene with the mm. um with the bugs and everything and and just the general kind of feeling of there's a sort of creeping malaise isn't there it's sort of you know it's not very it, it, there is a, a yeah. definite sort of mm,
1: as the evil is beginning to spread through each of them, it's kind of taken its sweet time. I'm kind of like, why is whoever's possessed or whatever doing what they're doing? Why aren't they doing something else? Why aren't they killing everybody else? It was it was a very, very slow sort of moving film. And I thought, in reality, if you were on the side of Satan, you'd be doing a hell of a lot more than what they're doing here. But, you know, whatever. Doesn't this, this got an Alice Cooper cameo as well?
0: Yeah, he's one of the on, sort of the dude the street. folks out, out, outside, yeah. Yeah. And, and weirdly made the made the um, the video jacket as well, I seem to remember, on some versions of it.
1: This of contorted looking face on the poster, I remember, but I don't know if that's him. But yeah, but I mean, this one, I'm like, yeah, three. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but again, it's it's sort of in the middle for me.
0: Yeah, for me, it's probably a two for me. I think it's, um, yeah. I, I can't, I, I think, like you say, there, there's kind of, when you start dealing with, um, when you start dealing with the the you know Satan and the and all that kind of the return <laughs> of uh, Beelzebub and all and, the, and the, this kind of thing, you do mm. yeah, and you've got people being you know being kind of uh, possessed and and uh, you know running around. Uh, you sort you do think sometimes, well, okay, well, you know, yeah, why aren't they just laying into? I mean, why aren't they just getting the job done? Why why is all the, why are they always hanging about and you know? Yeah, kind of, why isn't Satan just you know, what's the matter? What's, why can't he just go? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, you do have to sort of write yourself into a few kind of corners in, in a way with films like that. I mean, and, it's, and you know, it, um, you know, hundreds of people have done the exact same thing in the exact same type of th- situation. You know, it's like, well, we have to go around the houses because otherwise the film would be 15 minutes long. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, for the last one for this side of our podcast, mm-hmm. we will talk about They Live!, the 1998, 1998, 1988 with uh, Roddy Piper. Roddy Roddy. That's right. And when I watched this, even just looking at him with his haircut, I thought, I wonder if Kurt Russell was asked to do this, and he said no. Because you have to keep David back as well from the thing. Yeah. To be fair, I'm not saying that I necessarily miss Kurt Russell. I don't think that Roddy Piper is necessarily bad. He's certainly not as good an actor. But I think he fulfills the role. But at the same time, I do kind of think was this necessarily tailored for him
0: yeah i mean i it it 's an interesting because I think the role has become i mean you know the, you know what with the there's some there 's some obviously some kind of class yeah, everyone remembers the uh, you know, yeah. I've come here to you know chew bubblegum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubblegum. Yes. You know, <laughs> everyone yeah. remembers that. And I think he delivers it really well. And I think that, mm. that yeah, you know, I think there's some really good points to it. But yeah, I know what you mean. You sort of look at him and you think, Yeah, what was you know, should this have been, you know, a, a, a more seasoned actor playing this role and would it have been better if if it had been, you know. I I don't yeah. know because I think it's I think it's pretty good as it is. Um yeah like you say I think he feels the role pretty well and um but yeah I'm not I, I'm not sure I mean I, I love that scene with him the the, the, the fight with him and oh Keith the David. the
1: unbelievably long fight the yeah. Un-
0: yeah. yeah and every time you think it's over it ain't <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah it's all the it's all the kneeing and the bollocks that you know makes me go oh my god enough already yeah
0: yeah I'd have put the shades on long ago <laughs> yes yeah
1: definitely I, I think him and Keith uh, David work Keith David David Keith Ah, God, i got to get those two actors mixed up. Keith David, yes. <laughs> David Keith's white. <laughs> yeah, I think these two work together very well. And I, I anything I, that, uh, that Keith David pops up in, I'm always happy to see him. Yeah. And you've got that creepy lady with the weird eyes. Meg Foster. Yeah, with the, the bright sort of silvery blue eyes. Yeah. I remember her being in quite a few things back then. What was that, that, that underwater one, Leviathan? Peter Weller,
0: well, you know, you know, of course, she was in uh, *Master of the Universe*. She played Evil Lynn. Oh, that's right. Of
1: course, she did. Yeah, yeah next to Frank Langella. Good lord. <laughs> yeah, right, Evil Lynn.
0: I mean, she was she was in a lot of stuff around then. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I yeah. can remember, you know, her sort of just popping up in seemingly, you know, loads of things, and um, yeah. you know, just. Um, And and always been kind of. I I could never quite decide whether I found her attractive or not. And and sometimes she looked really good and sometimes she looked really awful. I'll tell you what else she was in that I know you'll like Blind Fury. We've talked about Blind Fury before.
1: Oh, that's right. She gets killed off at the start, doesn't (laughs) she? she She's the mum or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this one obviously had a I mean, this one, like with the previous film, it looked like it had a low budget. But Carpenter found very interesting ways of getting around that. I love the way that the the city would look literally when the moment the, the glasses go on when you see a shot through the glasses he just filmed stuff very very well this the, the city and the buildings before the billboards you yeah. know on them um it all looked yeah all it's great and i think it, it it led to a very a very exciting climax the idea itself is is really good and it's got that hilarious p.s at the end of the film <laughs> With a couple having sex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, yes. baby, what's wrong? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, again, you know, he, he, you know, generally, if he's not going for the cheap horror thrill, he's very good at having something at the end that just makes you, you know, walk away from the film loving it.
0: Yeah, and I mean the concept, you know, is it, you know, it's it's a pretty deep thing. I mean, it's like it's mm-hmm. one of those things where where that you can discussed the sort of you know well and people have you know in terms of what 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 the sort of uh you know um subtext you know what the kind of meaning of of, of this idea of, of you know uh, that it's going on about is all is all about it's kind of you know something that people discuss at length you know uh and mm. um and wonder if in some ways these sort of things are actually happening you know and uh yeah it's it's very interesting you know oh, yeah. very interesting concept and obviously made into a you know, sci-fi and its aliens and all the rest of it. But th- this whole idea of, you know, uh, the world not quite being as it, you
1: know, subliminal messages and all that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, for its budget, you know, I mean, because you could imagine that, you know, on, on a huger budget, they could have had bigger set pieces for this, that, and the other. But instead, they were literally forced to deal with the actual issue itself, and having uh, the hero be a sort of poor man on the streets himself Mm. sort of discovering things literally as he sees them i Mm. thought was was a very good angle yeah no it's 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 really good fun this one
0: did you did you kind of think that um the only i mean one of the things that i found with it was that um i I just felt that meg foster was was you know her character was was bad right from the the off and it was weird because it flip-flopped a couple of times and, yeah, and then turned out you were right, you know. And I and I, yeah. and I actually kind of not, I'm not always certain how I feel about that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah,
1: um, I, I I I remember when I first saw it, uh, sort of almost feeling like I've been punched in the stomach when she kills Keith David's character. Yeah, because uh, I was like, oh, it's
0: a it's a cheap you know, death, isn't it? It's it's it's, it's you know, not not heroic. That's right.
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of know what you mean with that because because I mean she's she was forever. Because I think when he was breaking into her house, when he's sort of first got a sort of semi hostage she chucks him out the window or something, doesn't yeah, she? she does, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I sort of drawn the line of well, she may have thought that he was nuts, but at the same time, it is—it's just those eyes, man. She just has evil eyes. No, no offense, Meg Foster, no. Well she's she's had a career out of you know using those eyes. Uh, Oh, good lord, she was in Best of the Best 2. Oh, you poor sod. Oh, my god, she was in The Lords of Salem. That's the new film by Rob Zombie. Oh, there you are. Which we we have, a review is coming up imminently from one of my writers, (laughs) and I think Shane's seen it as well. Yes, so They Live, I think I would give uh, a 4-2, but it's a generous 4. Yeah,
0: I'd probably go, yeah, probably 4, 3.5. Maybe. Yeah,
1: so well there you go, that is the that is literally the first half of the carpenter career, up to the end of the 80s, and again there's been a mixed batch, I don't think we've gone below 2 on anything,
0: have we? No, I don't think so.
1: But there's been a, cu- a good couple of 5s there.
0: Yeah, uh, and some Trouble fours. So and uh, The Thing.
1: I can guarantee you from me there's at least one more of those to come. But there's going to be a few ratings that head a little bit south of the border as well because the the second half of his career is a bit more patchy. Mm, But we will discuss that when we get there. We will.